This is the Spiritual Awakening Show. I go by Brent Spirit, and today I'm sharing a recording of a full one-on-one session that I had with a man named Nick. Nick is in the midst of an exciting kundalini process, and his story is fascinating. I'm sure that you'll find some value in the things that we discussed. Now, prior to connecting over Zoom, Nick wrote me a brief description of his spiritual background. It echoed some of the stories that I've heard from so many others before. He wrote that he had no spiritual practices other than a little bit of prayer and had never even heard of the word kundalini, which he admitted he was still skeptical about. But it seemed to explain the sudden onset of panic attacks, intense pressures in the head, buzzing sensations, mystical third eye phenomena, euphoric bliss, ecstasy, and more. Together in our meeting, we unpack a lot of these experiences. We also explore the experience of a deep spiritual surrender, in which he describes being held in the hands of God. We touch on his journey with overcoming alcoholism, the 12-step program, psychedelic exploration, energetic activations, and mystical phenomena. We also tackle the theme of doubt and unworthiness of our spiritual transformations and blessings, which I'm sure we've all had at some point or another on the path. Nick is a great example of a humble, open-minded, intuitive, and genuine spiritual seeker who is blessed with the kundalini rising, despite not practicing any of the typical approaches like yoga. Together, we explore the idea that this process is not limited to just the traditions and paths of the East. Kundalini awakening, or more simply put, spiritual transformation, is a universal human process that we all have the potential of tapping into, regardless of who we are or our background. As always, if you have any questions for me about your spiritual process, or if you'd like to meet with me one-on-one, you can visit brentspirit.com, or you can also DM me on Instagram, at Spirit. Now, enjoy the episode. So I, I read your email. Thanks for sharing uh, that info there. Nothing unusual. I can tell you that. Nothing unusual. Nothing, nothing that uh, you know, we haven't heard about before. So I can give you that sort of peace of mind. You're not going crazy. It's, uh, it's all part of the path. I have a few questions about that sort of stuff that you were sharing, but uh, before we get into that, is there any anything you would like to begin with? Any anything? I didn't. I I didn't know what the word. I'd never even heard the word kundalini, you know. And um, I've been sober for five years, so I've been in a twelve step program. So there is some spirituality there. Um, so I I definitely was praying and stuff like that for a while, you know, I really was convinced that I was losing my mind because I had every right to think I was with all the phenomena occurring. And I just like, I would go online and and finally something clicked with me. And I, I felt drawn to this article or this a video it was. And I was like, okay, this is what's going on. And then five minutes later, I'd be like, no, that's not real. Like my mind was like, that, that doesn't exist. It's just crazy people talking about crazy stuff. Like I'm going, you know what I mean? So I'm still kind of not as much anymore, but I, for a while there, I was just like, like really had to dedicate myself to convincing me that this is what was going on with me, you know? Got it. Yeah. I, I think that is the healthiest approach to some degree, as opposed to just blindly becoming this weird hippie guy, especially considering that even though you're having those experiences, you still maintain a sense of of logical, rational, grounded perspective, right? There's some people who don't have any of these experiences, but it somehow consumes their life. And they're walking around talking about it. And everyone's like, hey, this person's a little, there's something off about them. And, and so it's good that you can maintain that sense of balance and discernment. And, and I'm not here to tell you that there's, there's something wrong with you for being doubtful. I think it's very healthy. It's very, it's very, very important because I've seen a lot of people, man, who just, who lose it, they just lose it. Like they become like crazy people. Right. And it's the discernment, the doubt, the skepticism, that's going to keep you grounded. And it's very important. Okay. It's very important to stay balanced. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm not here to tell you to let that go. Keep questioning, keep asking, you know, like consult different people, different, do your research, ex- consult your own experience and, and go from there. Right. Of course, you know, my stance, I'm, I'm, fully committed to this path. And I, of course, have experienced it myself and I know, um, but there definitely is some reality here, but I'm not here to push that on anybody. Of course, I, I, 
I see within everybody the ability to be their own master, and I never want to take that away from anybody. Okay. Um, you mentioned twelve step program, which is which is it's good. I was wondering a little bit about your spiritual background. You said that you were praying. How about prior to the twelve step program? Did you have any religious upbringing, any inclination at all? No, I mean a minor inclination. Um, I you know I was more agnostic. I was never an atheist. Um, I was more just I had a hunch and I had a really strong feel, feeling and almost a calling. But I never really nurtured that at all. Uh, but no religious upbringing or anything like that. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Okay. So 12 step, I'm generally familiar with it. I understand that there's a big part of it, which involves surrendering to a higher power. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. I, I can see how that would totally lead to uh, somebody experiencing Kundalini awakening. It's rare, mm-hmm. but I want to just uh, probe you a little bit about your experience of that type of surrender. Was it really something you you really surrendered to? Did you hit a point where you let everything go up to this higher power, whether you called it God or whatever? Was there really something significant like that for you? Yeah. So that actually, <clears throat> uh, yes. And that was in November. Now, uh, initially that what got me sober, there was a surrender, but it wasn't a surrender of my will in my life. It was more of a surrender of the alcohol issue, you know, and I kept everything right. else. Um, which ended up in a disaster of its own. And um, I um, like in November, I, I was I really was fascinated with this idea of surrender. I understood that it was key, but I looked at it as some sort of like equation, you know, that I was gonna like figure out and do and then get this. And um, really the word I like to use more is just complete and utter defeat. You know, I was, I would, I felt that I was surrendered, you know, like some, something yes. like did the work for me almost because, beautiful because on um, it was November 19th, everything I, I mentioned in their memory loss, the buzzing in my head, the, the head pressures, the panic, the, this energy coming up and just like, I didn't, I had no idea what was going on. And um, I went to the hospital because I don't know if this is related. I know Kundalini is said to be like coiled at the bottom of the spine, but I woke up on November 19th with a, like a really sharp pain right in my lower, lower, lower back. And, um, I didn't know what was going on. I had some weird stomach pains and, um, I like, couldn't remember, like I would have a conversation with someone and 15 minutes later, I thought that conversation was three days ago, or like, I didn't even like my mind was so gone and, I was just like, I'm done, you know, I'm like, I don't know what's going on with me, but I'm done. Like my life is over, you know? And I went to the hospital and I got an ex late, late that night. Well, I came home. I'll make this quick. I, I started getting chills, right? I had my fever, my temperature would go up and I felt like I had chills and then it would go down and back up. And I remember I dropped to my knees in the shower and I was like, like, it sounds crazy, but I was like seeing demons, right? With my eyes closed. And, um, and like, So I went to the hospital because at that point, and I don't really go to the hospital, but at that point I was like, I don't know what, I don't know what else to do, you know? So I went, I got an x-ray. I really felt that I was in a real like psychosis, but I, I, I was able to maintain, you know, I wasn't like losing it out here, but in here I was gone. So I drove home from the hospital that morning and I remember I felt some sort of sense of calm. And then I thought about it and like the energy started coming up and I was in my bathroom. I looked in the mirror and like, it was almost as if like, like, I remember I, I, I saw a hand like this. It was kind of inside. I saw this hand and I let go. And it was like, almost like an elect, like the way I remember, cause it is very foggy. It's like an electrical, like, like it was like something like shifted. And I remember I fell asleep because I hadn't slept all night. It was morning time by then. I fell asleep. And 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 that's what I would consider the surrender of. I really let go and like and just like accepted the worst and whatever. And and I just like had I had this sensation of being held um in God's hands. So so that that like Beautiful. that moment like it is very specific for me. Like I could never forget that. And since then my life has never been the same. Yeah. Wonderful. Wonderful. That's powerful stuff, man. Yeah. So, so when we talk about surrender, we talk about letting go and letting God, you know, 
We talk about being spiritually transformed. Uh, we talk about the, the experience of yoga. This is what they're talking about. All of these yogis, thousands of years, are trying to attain this. These monks and nuns, they go and they pray. We see people going to church and they're seeking this, this experience. For some, it comes easily. For most, it comes after great challenge, hardship. For you, it maybe was the alcoholism, great trauma, great healing. Okay. But this is what they're seeking and you're living it and you're living it. And the funniest thing is some of those people, most of them, even though they're seeking it, when it comes to them, they too will be skeptical and doubtful and say, what the hell is this? Because you, you can never fathom how profound and intense and extreme some of this can be, right? But yeah, you're very blessed. Um, I'm sure you can kind of get a sense of that yeah. developing. There's, 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 there's something very transformative happening here. So like I was saying, throughout, throughout history around the world, this is what people are seeking when they practice spirituality. Most in the mainstream, not so much in a direct way, but there's many people who would say like, they'd kill to be in your position to have that surrender take place. So there are key moments of transformation, of surrender, of letting go that will shift everything for us. Absolutely. But I don't, I don't want you to beat yourself up if tomorrow you find yourself resisting again. And then you may be saying, oh, well, I surrendered. That crazy experience happened to me. It was so profound. I, God held me. And now here I am like suffering again. That's okay. I see surrender as an ongoing thing. And there's like deeper and deeper and deeper layers to it. So just keep that in mind, okay? Because sometimes we feel like, oh, well, I've had this big healing. I'm great. We experience a certain period of time, two weeks, a month, a year, and everything is great. And then suddenly we go through something challenging and all this dark stuff starts coming up and we get confused. We start thinking like, well, I thought I healed this. What is going on? Yeah. Am I crazy? Was I a fraud? Well, it's layers. It happens in layers, okay? Yeah. So tell me a little bit about lately in the past like couple of weeks anything particular that you're experiencing yeah so so i'm going to give some context because it's important so after that you know a, a, i was like it, so and and i'm leading up to this past couple of weeks so it was november 20th it was friday night and i used to dabble with lsd a lot and i loved it and 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 i haven't touched anything for five years but i remember i started to feel like I was like, what? Like I felt like I was on acid, you know, and and um, like I knew that feeling, and I and uh, I just so like a list this long of crazy things that that happened, and anyways, so it literally felt like my brain was being operated on, like a surgery while I was awake, you know, like I couldn't even feel my brain. It was the weirdest thing, and um, anyways, so like what happened for about a month, I was still scared. I wasn't having panic attacks anymore, but I was just frightened. But I had some knowledge about what was going on with me and some faith. But like, I was still like, Oh, my gosh, this is real. This can happen. Like, like, what is going on? Who am I? What you know, and um, then it was December 23rd. I remember the day because <laughs> I just got this like, bliss, you know, like this, like wow kind of like like i was in, i remember i was actually on my way to the airport and i was going down to florida to visit my mom and i was like oh boy like at first i didn't know what was going i was like oh here we go here's another crazy like i'm not going to be able to like see my mom but then I, I surrendered to it and it was like this beautiful bliss and i was like on the airplane like in tears you know and anyways so and then everything, I started to have some real mystical experiences, you know, and very interconnected with nature and all this stuff that I've never been. And um, so that continued, you know, it, it came and it went, right? These episodes of bliss, of just like profound oneness and just like, wow, this, I want to be like this all the time, you know? And uh, I think I made the mistake of mistaking that, those experiences for the awakening, so when I vacillate in and out of that, I kind of feel this grief, like this, like, oh, my, like I lost the awakening, like what's going on? Like, what did I do? You know, so the past couple of weeks, it's definitely um, like kind of toned down a lot, you know, where I'm kind of just like um, more neutral now, um, no more panic attacks or anything like that. But there is some stuff coming up, um, you know, there's still like the stuff I used to deal with 
you know, that I always avoided still kind of there and, and coming up. There's a different perspective about it, though. But yeah, so like the past couple of weeks, I'm like kind of like questioning the whole awakening thing. Like, did I lose it or like what's going like what's the next step? What am I what do I do? You know, got it. Got it. OK, let's talk about the bliss. And I just want to briefly talk about the LSD. So with the bliss, our body is 100% capable of experiencing that bliss, of, of developing it on a chemical level, on an emotional level. I, I refer to it as a, as a biological experience because we can have it even though we're experiencing difficult emotions. We can have it in the midst of sickness, of illness that bliss is there. It's almost like the body is producing that and it's like a chemical. It's like a drug. It's, it's not, it's not a, an emotional thing. Maybe you can sort of relate to what I'm saying. Cause sometimes people, I get this idea of bliss and they think it's joy. It's different than joy. It's drug-like. It's like you're hot. Yeah. In periods of, of my awakening, the bliss came when I was experiencing, like you were mentioning, there were things coming up that I was repressing and suppressing trauma, pain. I went through periods of like, you know, a couple of weeks stints of depression, like severe depression. All the, all the symptoms of depression were there, yeah. but this bliss was here as well. And it made dealing with all of those, those things that were coming up so much more bearable because I had that, 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 that spacious bliss that I could sort of uh, relax into while I did all this work or while, or while, in other words, I could put it while the Kundalini sort of purified me, right? So the bliss came and I saw that as one function. It was kind of like a reprieve while intense surgery, intense purification and purging was taking place. Um, it made all of that much easier. It also challenges you. And that's what I feel that you're going through right now is a challenge to deal with attachment. Yeah. Yeah. To deal with the attachment because it's very, very addictive in a sense. And it, we can sort of um, associate that bliss with our awakening, with our state of consciousness, with uh, how good of a spiritual person we are or how ahead on the path we are. And so when we're in bliss, we think, oh, this is great. I'm aligned. I'm perfect. Like uh, everything's going perfectly. I'm in alignment. Um, I'm in the now. I'm in the present moment. I'm living my, I'm living, I'm following my bliss. You know, like that saying, follow your bliss. I'm, I'm in the flow. I'm in my heart. This is great. And then when it goes away, we beat ourselves up like, oh man, I must've went back into my ego. Um, I, I'm not following my bliss. I'm not following my heart. You know, uh, maybe all of the previous instances of bliss that I experienced was just some sort of delusion, or maybe there's something wrong with me. I'm sick. I'm ill, mentally ill, whatever it is. Right. So those challenges come. And I think that's part of the challenge as well, because what we're being asked to do here is to not become attached to the bliss, to find something deeper. That's a little more stable that is just pure being. It's very neutral. And if we can abide there, pain will come, bliss will come, depression, uh, wealth, poverty, life, death, all of those things will come and go. But if we abide in that place that's beyond all of this, even the bliss, it's beyond that too, then we're truly untouchable, unshakable. Then that's when we're really in alignment, really in the moment, really in the flow, really in the heart, really with God, right? Really abiding as our, as our self, Right with the capital S as the as the non-dual self, so the bliss comes to sort of tease us, to kind of uh, provoke us, challenge us to grow a little deeper. And paradoxically, what I found is when we come to that point where we say, "Yeah, okay, bliss will come and it will go. If it comes, I enjoy it. If it goes, I let it go." Then paradoxically, it comes and it stays. It's a little more stable. It's kind of with us always. With that said, though, in my experience. I don't feel that the bliss that I don't feel that this physical body, these human bodies we have are capable of sustaining high extreme, like heroin level of like bliss. I don't think we can function in that state because like you were saying, you know, you're on the airplane and you're crying, right? It's like, it's so like, it's intoxicating, right? It's, it's wonderful, but I don't feel that we can sustain those high, high degrees of bliss um, and function in the world as we're meant to do, right? So you'll see some people, they'll go into meditation and they become quiet and they're still, and then they let the bliss come and absorb them and they just go off and they're deep in that bliss. But if you ask them to, you know, like cook something or like go and like clean up their house, like they don't want to, the, the bliss, it's got them sort of like hooked, right? And they don't want to because they know that if they get up to do those things that are necessary for them to do in this modern society, 
the bliss sort of leaves. It's not as sustainable. It's like, uh, I'm sure you've experienced it. Like with psychedelics, you sit down in a quiet room on psychedelics, you can go trip out far out. But when you got to like, you know, talk to somebody about something important or like, or like you're like, you know, you got to write like a text message or something like suddenly the intense extreme high kind of gets toned down and you got to really focus, right? It's the same kind of experience here. I don't think the physical body itself it's like a, an electric circuit. I think there's too much resistance in it inherently that won't allow for those extreme levels of bliss to persist for like decades and years. Um, there's always going to be some resistance within this body, no matter how healed we become, there's just collective pain as well that we all carry. Right. And so these things kind of keep us grounded they keep us centered. And they also don't allow us to get too sort of uh, to check out. There are some people out there that at times, you know, like they're gurus and sort of those sort of characters that will go into these deep states of bliss and they begin radiating that out. And so, so they begin to attract a lot of people, a lot of followers. Those people end up being devotees and they start taking care of that person, doing everything for that person. They'll like, you know, like bathe them, feed them, whatever, everything. So that person can't afford to just surrender into bliss and kind of just be all doped out. But that's very rare, especially here in like North America, like, you know, it's very unlikely that you'll have people doing that for you, but um, that's a little bit about the bliss. I, it, it's a wonderful, wonderful thing, but um, yeah, just be mindful of the attachment when it comes, enjoy it, man. Enjoy it. Know that it's a sign of great uh, things underway. It's a blessing. It's your, it's your, it's God. It's the Kundalini. It's your higher self saying you're doing everything great. He's a little reward. Enjoy this. Um, at times, like I said, it can be a little reprieve for deep purification taking place. If there's sickness, the bliss can be there to kind of help you to sort of get through that. But um, it comes, it goes. Who you are is even beyond that too, okay? So that's a little bit about the bliss. We talked a little bit about uh, the LSD. I just was was wondering if you had any sort of spiritual experiences when you were using that, you know, five, six years ago or even before. Yeah, it was before. So that was my first spiritual experience. I I did LSD probably over 50 times and I got sober young at 19. So uh, I think I was 17 and I took acid one time and it was, um, it was not the acid. I learned that because I took that same acid, of course, the next day to try to mimic the experience and it didn't happen. <laughs> uh, so this only happened one time out of all the times I took acid, but, um, and I didn't even, recognize it or label it a spiritual experience but now i know it was it was profound it was this experience i was looking in the mirror and i saw what was looking at back at me was just pure beauty and and when i looked out at the world i noticed that like um and i was just 17 i had no you know spiritual you know at least to my knowledge um but um, like I looked out at the world and everything was absolutely perfect as it was like beyond perfect. Right. I had this whole new perspective where it was like, you know, the mind comes in. It's like, no, this should be this way. This should be this way. Everything, you know, and it was like everything was perfect and it was beautiful. And and yeah. So. So, yeah, one time on acid, it was just, and, and I remember when I got sober about two and a half years after I was sober, I remember thinking about that experience and being like, that wasn't drugs. You know, that wasn't like, like me getting fucked up and enjoying the experience. I was like, that was something real. And I want to work toward that. And then when the Kundalini, when I really started to crack open after the surrender, if, if you want to call it that the next day, actually, I experienced that same feeling, you know, I experienced, I was like, Oh, like it's back and I'm not on drugs, you know, <laughs> like, even though it feels like drugs. Yeah. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. That's what I've noticed with many, many people, even though they say, you know, things like, you know, I, I don't really have any spiritual background. I was never spiritual. The seeds were all there. The seeds were there. The signs were there. It was all leading up to it, kind of like a foreshadowing in a movie. Right. And uh, that, that's, that's pretty incredible. Pretty incredible. Yeah. So I, I just wanted to, to just to just ask about, uh, you know, the LSD and see if there were any sort of little clues and hints and clearly, clearly they were there. Yeah. Yeah. So even after the LSD, this was in 2019. So I started to experience Kundalini symptoms. The first thing was panic and head pressure. And I would get like burning sensations in my brain. Like I was like, but, um, 
but in 2019 I had a breakup and there was a pretty traumatic event in that relationship. She like, it, it just, it just got very dysfunctional. And, um, anyway, so this event shook me, right? Like it, I remember, like, it, it was like, I don't remember. I, I had heard the word trauma, but I was like, okay, this is what it is. Cause for weeks after I was just like different, you know, and we broke up a couple months after that. And, I just went through a really dark period and I started listening to some spiritual like Michael Singer. I don't know if you know who yeah, that yeah. is. Yeah. So Untethered soul. Yeah. So I started reading and listening to him and, and then one day I was driving my truck and I stopped at a red light and um, I got like this transcend. I remember it was so physical. It was like, I was illuminated with light. I don't know if it didn't Kundalini didn't resonate. This is long before I knew what it was. I don't know if that was Kundalini, but it was just this energy of like, I was like, I left my body and um, it's like very physical through my, like to the top of my head, to the, to the end of my toes. It was just like, like vibrating almost. And I remember coming back from that and being like, I like, I felt like a being of light, you know? And I was like, I remember saying to myself, okay, I'm not my body and I'm not my mind. Like, I remember just intuitively, like, I'm so much more, you know, I'm like what the, you know? And then, and then after that, shortly after that, some really like stuff started to come up. This is when like some stuff started to come up. It was like the fear of death, you know? And today I sit here and like, I like the fear of death is, you know, <laughs> it's totally gone. Like I just, right. I don't, you know what I mean? It, yeah, I do. <laughs> oh, so that was a spiritual experience in itself too, before I started experiencing what is known to be as Kundalini symptoms. So yeah. Right, right. So I would say that even uh, that experience, maybe we can't label it explicitly as Kundalini awakened, but definitely a, a strong sign of a very profound divine energetic transformation taking place. Yeah. And, and the insight you had there, I'm not this body, I'm not this mind, very profound right? There's something you're much, much bigger than that. And that's, and that's typically how it goes. So we have awakenings, we have sh things beginning to shift in us, opening us, we have expansions of consciousness, we start to realize we are more than this body more than this mind. And that's great. It's very liberating, very freeing. And then the implications of that start to sort of unfold, which are okay, if I'm not this body, if I'm not this mind, why do I walk around as if I am? Why do I walk around as if the things that happened to this body and happened to this mind and happened to this character still influence my behavior, which is what we call trauma, right? So why do I walk around allowing trauma to influence my life and my relationships? If I'm not this body, I'm not this mind. Why am I still acting as if I am? Yeah. There's no need to anymore. We can, we can now begin to function in a, in a more evolved state, but how do we get to that evolved state? We got to clean up that trauma, that conditioning, that pain, things that have been lodged in our, in our muscles, in our chakra system, in our psyche, we got to start purging that. So we can work on that in an active way ourselves, where we go in, we maybe do some therapy, we maybe do journaling, we maybe um, are doing uh, certain body work, uh, things like yoga, meditation, um, uh, where we're getting massages and things like that. Or in addition, the kundalini, the, the, the divine force within us can start to now purge and bring those things up. Yeah. So that's why the things that we may have repressed and suppressed start surfacing. You mentioned earlier on that you were, you know, in, in the shower and you saw demons, Th those demons, right. They represent that, that, that pain, the fear, the hurt, the things that we carry. Right. And they start to surface. Now they're in, they're literally in our face. And, and the secret here is not to be afraid, though it's okay if we're afraid at times. I mean, if you see demons for the first time ever, is I mean, probably going to be afraid, right? But there's something in us that says, even this demon, no matter how scary and ugly and terrifying it looks, it's somehow part of the full spectrum of the light. And if I can just let it be here, I can release it. So... That applies to any type of experience, thoughts, emotions, feelings, things people do or say, other people, events, anything that arises in this life, in this existence, it's either all God or none of it is. So even those demons, those are God. You have a thought, oh, I hate yeah. this person. Somehow that thought is part of the light as well. You have some pain coming up in your, in your heart. Yeah. You, 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 you see it all as some part of the spectrum of the light and by seeing it as that we see it as as divine 
And that seeing as divine is what releases it. That is the healing, right? And so when it's healed and those demons can leave us, and when they leave us, we get to do a few things. We get to abide as that spacious awareness, that consciousness, that God, that, that love, however you want to call it. We get to abide deeper in that place because those demons and the pain and the trauma is no longer taking up our bandwidth, you could say. We get to now relate deeper with ourselves and with others because those traumas are no longer influencing the way that we engage with ourselves and, and the people in our lives. And of course, that bliss can flow a little more freely. It doesn't get to, it doesn't run into that resistance. Those, you know, those like um, blockages that kind of slow it down. The, the vibrational frequency of our, of our system can, can sort of increase a little bit because resistance has been released. And that is the healing process that we're on, on this path. That is what Kundalini is. is that's what the Kundalini process is about. It's about that deep healing. And that's what makes it very challenging. Um, many people would like to say, oh, I want to have a Kundalini awakening. And, and, you know, to hear about some of the great experiences that you've mentioned, you know, great flashing lights and, and amazing bliss. And, and, you know, we see beauty everywhere and that's all wonderful, but it has to be earned and it gets earned through, through a, a deep, deep, purification and a deep purging and a deep healing. We get, we have to go through hell. We got to go through a fire. Right. And, and that was, I, I can tell it, you know, like with what you're saying, like that was a major part of that for you was the addiction and overcoming that. Right. And that's why you've earned, you've earned this place where you're at today. And so I don't want you to feel as if, you know, you're going crazy and this and that. I want you to really like give yourself permission to, to say, you know, I've earned this evolutionary stage in my life. I've earned this and step into it and own it. Because I think part of us denies this as crazy talk because we, we are almost too insecure to embrace the growth that we've tapped into. And so it's easier for us to say, oh, this is crazy talk than to say, you know what? I have attained a certain level of peace, a certain level of wisdom, a certain connection with myself, with God, with the universe. I'm stepping into that. I'm owning it. So I invite you to really own that. Really just, just own it. I know as men as well, it's kind of weird. It's kind of like crazy to be like, you know, these like people talking about love and, and the beauty of nature and all this kind of stuff. And so we kind of push that away. And it's not, it doesn't seem very masculine, but I, I really invite you to, to overcome any of that if that's sort of how you feel sometimes and really own it, man. Like, like life is beautiful. Share that with other people. That's what we really need to see from other people. Sometimes people like to like to be a little too pushy with their spirituality. And uh, sometimes they like to be a little too reserved with it and they kind of keep it to themselves, find a balance, find a balance there. And uh, you'll see many, many people will begin to be attracted to you and they want to hear your story. They want to relate and they'll start to say, Hey man, like something like that happened to me too. I'm so glad I found you. So don't hold back. Okay. Especially as men, I think, I think uh, this type, this idea of healing of, of approaching our, our well-being um, is something we need to talk about more. Yeah. 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 Yeah, absolutely. And, and there's, that's part of the transformation too, of me being more comfortable with where I'm at. You know, a lot of, uh, a lot of my friends have dropped out of my life and I've, I've kind of gone into this place of solitude, but it's like, I'm so comfortable with it, you know? Um, yeah. And, and I guess like a concern of mine that I keep having, and it's kind of neurotic is like that, like it was so the experiences, the, all the phenomena, the enjoyable stuff, you know, flashing lights and everything were great, but I, I did start to experience a lot of pain. And what I like to think of it as like, what it felt like the pain was, I mean, I literally thought I was going to die. You know what I mean? The pain was so great. And there was this one day, and this was after, um, like everything went kind of like, whoa, spiritual for me, but it was actually Thanksgiving. So it was like a depression. It was this deep, dark pain. And it was so intense that it was like, I don't know, like I had never, like there were a lot of suicidal thoughts throughout this. And I never have, I've never had a history of having that. Um, but it wasn't even like suicidal. I, it was like, I'm going to have to do it because this is so unbearable that like death is preferable to this like intense, very in the moment pain, you know? And uh, it was like, I could feel it in my, and um, 
it was like a light was turned on in a dark room because it was like the pain was the same pain that's always kind of been there but just it was like right here like i could smell it i could taste it it was like so intense you know and i didn't think you know it's new to me to learn that like this stuff is being released like i always thought it was just stagnant like it's just there it's not gonna go anywhere you know so so it, yeah i do see it as a total blessing but there's this neurotic like thing i keep having having about like oh the kundalini you know like because now i'm i feel so blessed and so grateful and like i've embraced that this is my life now and i want this is what i want i'm almost like like this is this is it like i'm dedicating my whole life to it i'm like worried that it's gonna like like go back dormant or like that it's gonna leave me or i'm just gonna like you know fall off the path or whatever it is you know right. things like that right yeah that's a valid a valid concern and I understand where that comes from. I think that ties back into the, the experience of insecurity that we sometimes have, where it's like we've accomplished something. It might, it might yeah. get taken away from us or we may, we're not worthy of it. So it's going to all get yeah. taken away. But I really want you to really step into that and own it. And you'll see those feelings of, of worry about whether this is going to, you know, just sort of return back to all back to normal, that will start to fall away. You are worthy of this transformation. Um, I'll tell you right now, even though in the beginning, maybe you feel like you had no spirituality, but like clearly you're, you're a very spiritual person. It's been like that for a while. I bet if we even went deeper into your childhood, we'd find some clear spiritual experiences and insights that you were having that put you in a position to work towards this and earn it. And something that you've put in work towards cannot be taken away from you. And you've put in a lot of work. It's not going to be taken away from you. The, 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 the force, the Kundalini, it doesn't want to go back to sleep. It wants, it wants more than anything to transform you. And so it's going to keep doing everything it can to keep your attention, to keep your dedication, to keep, it moving and keep this transformation unfolding. It's going to do everything it can. So there are ways in which we can put this process uh, on pause to a degree. Um, and mainly it comes down to abusing the body, abusing the system with like things like uh, drug abuse, alcohol abuse, certain uh, antidepressants can sometimes put us into a state of limbo, um, yeah. poor diet, uh, if you're, if you're working way too hard and, and, and you're not giving the Kundalini process any time to really do its work, then it can kind of, uh, get pushed aside. But all of that, in my experience and understanding, even the drug use will lead to another breakdown where you'll really have to surrender and then it will have its way with you and you'll have no choice. So I, I don't want you to worry about this getting turned off, going away and that sort of thing. What I can say, though, is, and this happens to many people, it happened to myself as well, the phenomena, the mystical phenomena, the psychedelic spiritual phenomena, that, that can kind of come to a very uh, sort of still point where it's just very mundane, worldly life. But yeah. there is an awareness of something greater. There's peace in the yeah. heart. There's uh, a sense of, of, of compassion for another person, for the planet and all that kind of stuff. But the flashy, crazy, mystical stuff falls away. The interest in that can fall away. The interest in talking about spirituality can fall away. But there's something in there that's, that's very still, very centered, very evolved, very wise, but that will persist. And that, to me, is the sign of a real mature awakening. Crazy stuff is going to happen to us, or it has happened to us, or will happen to us, or whatever is happening to us. That eventually... Um, become secondary to the deep peace, to the deep sort of abiding sense of all is well. All of yeah. the crazy flashy stuff, it will come and go. Uh, when I hear people speaking about mystical experiences, I enjoy hearing about it. It's cool. It's fascinating. I've got a lot of mystical experiences that I can relate with as well. But ultimately, I just say like, it's just another icing on the cake. It's not the cake. It's just the icing. It's just like a cool little decoration. And that's fun. It's great. I'm, and, I, and it's, they're, they're great signs of, of deep spiritual transformation unfolding, yeah. but that is not, uh, that's not where the real meat and potatoes of this path is. It's really in, in that abiding peace. It's really in that, that knowing that we are one with everything and there is nothing to fear that, that fear of death it's gone. 
right? That's, that's where it really is at. Like that's where the rubber meets the road on this path. And so that may yeah. fall away. And I don't want you to feel like if, as if mystical phenomena is somehow an indicator of how good you are doing on your spiritual path. It's not, it's really not. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and that kind of leads me to my next thing um, is like the perfectionism, you know, where it's like, I've kind of like, based on my mind you like you say i earned it right and my mind there's a part in there it's like no no you have because it's it's thinking about everything i've done wrong you know what i mean which is a lot you know it's like it's thinking about all the mistakes i've made it's like like it gives no attention to like what i've done you know in 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 regards to earning it and it's just like my mind will be like oh man like if i do this or if I do that I'm screwing it up and I get this like perfectionism and, and there's still some things like I had this idea that like the awakening would like fix all my problems and I just like like I I just would have I would be in a state of bliss and I would just like be perfect yeah. you know what I mean and it's like not necessarily like right that. right and this is a valid concern it really is you said at the beginning you know when you had that spiritual experience on the acid you looked yeah. out and everything was perfect right the road's dirty, yeah. you know, there's a, it's like garbage here and there. There's, you know, maybe there's a yeah. light that's fused and you see it and it's perfect. It's perfect. Yeah. Right. Not, you wouldn't change a thing about it. It's perfect. It's all God. It's all divine. It's all part of the great divine orchestration of life. And it's perfect. That insight that you saw was valid. It's just, that was a little bit of a sort of, that was a glimpse of the natural state that you can abide in at all times. If you're able to do the healing work that cleans up this, this imperfection that sees the world with judgment with, with uh, sort of, uh, Oh, this is not good. Or that's bad. Or, or that sees the world with a critical eye, right. That will fall away. And that falls away in time as we become more comfortable with ourselves. So I invite you to consider from the moment that you began existing up until this moment, everything is unfolded according to divine will. It's all according, uh, according to the, the will of God, to the script of the universe. It's all been a divine orchestration that's unfolded perfectly, right? All your mistakes, so-called mistakes, all of that was context to bring you to this moment here. If you didn't make those mistakes, you wouldn't be here. The mistakes you make tomorrow will, sh will, will pave the way for a wonderful, beautiful future with all of the relationships, with the purpose, with all of the health and success. Those mistakes are what fuels the growth on this path. It provides a context for the growth. So I don't want you to get caught up in this idea of perfectionism. There's nowhere, nowhere that's perfect. Um, no spiritual master has been perfect. The greatest masters of all time uh, one of my favorites of all time, Sri Ramana Maharshi. He died of cancer, right? Cancer came for him mm -hmm. too, right? He's there. He's abiding in this perfect yeah. state of unshakable bliss as the self, as God. And people are coming from around the world. They're seeing him and they're recognizing him as one of the greatest saints of all time. And still cancer comes for him, right? He, he didn't, I mean, you know, who knows what caused the cancer? Could have been his diet. Was he eating, you know, gluten-free and all this organic stuff? Who knows? Like, don't beat yourself up for these little, these little things, man. We can't be living these sort of like uh, textbook yeah. ideas of what a perfect life is in terms of our diet, our lifestyle, you know, we're, we're, we're gonna, we're, we're here to be human. We're here to make those mistakes to grow and that sort of thing. And on top of that, there is no idea of perfect anyway, man. Like it's, it's, it's not a, it's, it's, it's not real. It's not real. Um, just be easy with yourself, surrender to the flow, which that the flow is perfect. And that will lead you to certain quote unquote imperfections, whatever, but the flow itself can, can do no wrong. It's the will of God. It can do no wrong. So when you take ownership of your actions, then, then you can say, oh, I've succeeded or I failed. But when you surrender that all to God, success, failure, it's irrelevant. And so don't, uh, you don't need to be hard on yourself and say, okay, if I'm going to meditate, if I mess up and I don't meditate one day, oh, I messed it up. I'm not good enough. And that sort of thing. That kind of stuff leads to people having like real serious breakdowns. This what led to me having a breakdown. Cause I tried to like, 
meditate on a perfect schedule. I tried to eat like a perfect sattvic diet. I was weighing my food and I was eating like the perfect amount and I was doing just the right amount of exercise. And I was trying to read like, you know, one book every week. And I was on track for like a month. And what led to one of the most profound shifts in my spiritual awakening was one night because it was 2 a.m. And I was like trying to eat my food because I was trying to get in the right amount of calories and all that kind of stuff that led me to a total breakdown. Cause I was like, I could, I lost control and I was trying to control everything. And then from that point forward, I became very sort of the word I like to use is organic in my approach to this path. So I meditate when it feels right. Right. I would eat foods that feel right. If I missed a practice or I missed a meditation, or if I didn't feel like finishing a book, I'd close the book and put it away. I, I let go of this idea of like a perfectionist sort of lifestyle. If you've been hanging around sort of personal development, self-development communities, that can kind of get to you because you'll see these people like sharing self-development teachings and stuff. And they're like, you know, they're wealthy. They've got amazing bodies. Uh, they're in like these great relationships. They know all of these rich people and they're super successful and all this kind of stuff. And you think I need to be like that. Like I, I, I need to live in this sort of perfect uh, sort of curated lifestyle, like, like a Tony Robbins kind of character, right? It's not true, man. Like that's just gonna, yeah. it's gonna drive you crazy. You got to find the lifestyle that works for you. Be very easy on yourself. You're going to make some mistakes tomorrow. Next day. We all are. I am too. In our relationships, you can realize your God. You can realize unconditional love is the answer. And tomorrow somebody brings up a topic that, you know, triggers you. You're going to, you know, you might snap at them. You might say something rude to them and then you'll say, Oh, well, shoot. Um, that happened. Okay. It's cool, man. It's all good. It's all good. It's all good. That's what's healing. When, when situations like that happen, when we get triggered, it's just bringing up some dormant pain within us so that we can express it and let it go. Ideally, we don't want to express it towards other people. Ideally, we want to let that, those pains come up in our solitude, but um, whatever it is, man, just be easy on yourself. That's like the, the biggest downfall of many people on the spiritual path is just being so hard on ourselves, man, just being so hard on ourselves. People who aren't spiritual will lash out at somebody at the store. They'll go home and it doesn't bother them. People who, people who are spiritual, somebody cuts you off in traffic. You know, you start getting angry. You go home and you're like, oh, why did I get angry? Oh, I'm such a bad person. Oh, this is bad. My Kundalini is going to go to sleep and all this kind of stuff. It's like, it's not, it's not how it works, man. God is, God is very, very understanding of the things that we're dealing with, our Kundalini, our higher self, whatever you want to call it. It's very understanding of all of us. Uh, all of the patterns and neurotic behaviors that we have. And it's, it's all good, man. It's all good. It's all good. How about um, like a couple things I just wanted to touch on real quick. Um, and I will say that perfectionism, that was a big thing that, that has settled down a lot for me, you know, and, and, and just like accepting my humanity, you know, cause I had this idea that spirituality was, well, I had to be, perfect and it did drive me crazy you know um so like kriyas i get you know like like sometimes at night i haven't gotten in a while but like i literally can't go to sleep like my arms will be flailing in my body you know what i mean um but i constantly twitch throughout the day something i get a lot is pressure right here like third eye pressure just right there it's like someone's like very specific like a pencil yeah. in and out almost you know um, I don't know what the meaning to that is okay. or yeah. yeah. So the Kriyas are not a symptom of a problem. They're a sign of something being released. Okay. Mm -hmm. And what we're asked is to just surrender to that and let it happen. I know sometimes it's night, you want to be sleeping. You may have like, you know, something, a big project to do the next day or whatever it is, you got work, whatever. It's difficult. You can have a conversation. You can say, please, like I, I need to rest um, tomorrow after work for an hour, two hours, you lay in bed and you let it have its way with you. Okay. You can make these kinds of deals, but you got to keep the deal. You got to keep the deal. Okay. Um, at times the, she, and I say she, because the Kundalini is that the divine mother, uh, she may not uh, let up and that's fine. Let her have a way with you. Trust in her. Tomorrow, the next day, your project, your boss, or whatever the situation is, somehow will just work out. 
somehow the energy will just come, whatever it is. Okay. Just let, let it happen. Let it be released. And it's know that it's temporary. Like you're not going to be having these Kriyas at night for the rest of your life. They'll happen once whatever needs to be released is released. It's kind of over. If it starts happening in public or you're at a meeting or whatever, you can again, make those same arrangements say, okay, I understand that you're doing work and I appreciate it. Um, I'm, I'm going to give you an hour, two hours at this time, and I will fully surrender. And you can throw me around the room if you want, right? So you can make those arrangements. You'll develop that sort of relationship with your Kundalini in itself. You develop a kind of uh, uh, sort of dynamic where you can sort of have these types of communications. Um, you may not necessarily hear like a response, like, okay, but the, the Kriyas may calm down or whatever it is, but just be, be true to your word when you're making those types of arrangements um, and know that nothing is going wrong. Even if insomnia is happening and you can't sleep, just, just, just write it out, just write it out and, and know, write it out, knowing that you're going through incredible, incredible transformation and healing. Know that the tension in your, in your leg, when, when you have a Korea that's, you know, thrashing your legs around. That's from, for example, when you went into fight or flight throughout your, throughout your past and your legs filled up with blood and tension and you were ready to run and you didn't fully release that fight or flight response. It just kind of was stored in your legs. And now, and now you walk around with that tension everywhere you go. Know that you're, you're trading in a night of no sleep to be healed of all of that sort of baggage, that physical, emotional baggage. So, so make yeah. it, see it as a trade and say, okay, I'm willing to, to go through that. Um, the third eye stuff, once again, not a symptom of a problem, a sign of a great transformation taking place. Okay. Specifically, I can't tell you exactly what is happening. I just know that it's the energy is it's reaching higher and higher levels and these will open up uh, the centers for intuition. So you'll have a natural developing sense of, of, uh, intuition where you can respond intuitively to situations where you'll know things intuitively. Um, and the, the logical mind can kind of become one of two tools that you have. Most people walk around and the logical mind is their only tool. They don't have that intuitive, that intuitive ability to sense to feel. Now that's coming online more and more. You may have psychic abilities coming online. You can maybe uh, read into a person's mind, see their intentions. Uh, you maybe can have a psychic intuition of a person's pain. So you can respond accordingly with compassion, with empathy. Um, you don't necessarily need to tell them, Hey, I, I read your mind because I have this Kundalini awakening. And now I can see that, you know, you need a hug or you need a compliment. No, you just, you just very low key. You just, you know, respond how you feel is appropriate. There's many things happening up in the head. Uh, creativity can come online, uh, deep states of meditation, samadhi and meditation, um, absorption and deep meditative states. This can all come online and we can start accessing those states. Um, it all comes as a result of the Kundalini doing the work. So just like earlier, you mentioned, you felt like your brain was being operated on in a, in a sense, in a very real sense, it, it was, yeah. there was an operation taking place. The two hemispheres of the brain, left and right, masculine and feminine, they're disconnected. There's one here, one here, right, left and right. But after the Kundalini awakening sort of begins doing that work, the difference between left and right sort of starts to fall away. And it's, it's uh, right is left, left is right. And there's like something very unified there in the brain. So this is all stuff that's taking place here. So like I said, signs of great transformation, not a symptom of a problem. But if you feel at times insomnia is there, racing mind, racing thoughts, you're kind of leaving your body and it's not really an ideal experience for you. You can engage in practices to ground yourself, um, to sort of drain any excess prana that's up here as a result of the Kundalini doing its work. So there are some materials on my website where I speak about uh, grounding and whatnot, but one of the most effective ways is to bring the tongue up to the roof of your mouth just the tip of the tongue to the roof of your mouth, just behind the two front teeth. So this will create an energetic channel and allow excess energy to flow down your neck into your body where it can sort of let up on the head. Some of the pressure will be relieved. If you're having like a lot of uh, racing thoughts, uh, sort of manic kind of ideas and sort of hallucinations and stuff like that, it can kind of bring some relief. Um, eventually that too, it will stabilize. There are other things you can do to ground yourself. You can walk barefoot on the grass you can exercise, just, just lift some heavy weights, squat. Um, that type of stuff will really sort of balance your body out. Um, 
eat foods that you're drawn to intuitively. So don't get too fixated on any particular uh, diet that you may think is the most spiritual diet. Um, the Kundalini within will ask for a variety of different foods once you begin to kind of tune in. Um, it may not ask directly, but you'll feel a craving or you'll feel sort of an inclination that you might enjoy eating a certain food, eat those foods that will help you to balance things out a little bit. Um, I would also advise if you meditate, not to unnecessarily meditate on the third eye or the, or the head. If you're having those types of experiences, unless you feel intuitively called to that. Sometimes people will make these like commitments to say like, okay, for the next month, it's like third eye month. And I'm going to do third eye meditations all month. And it's like, you know, by day three, like they can't sleep. Everything is going crazy. And they like, for some reason might just continue on with third eye month, right? Like don't do anything like that. Be very organic, very natural, very intuitive with your process. If things are happening like that, instead of sort of focusing there or focusing energy there, just be with the breath, no matter what's happening, just be with the breath. Breath is going to happen regardless. Just be with that. Allow anything to happen. The breath is, is the point of balance. So we can be too up in the head. We can also be too, too much in the root chakra where we're very worldly, fearful, um, very sort of on edge, very animalistic. But if we're just with the breath and the heart, we'll find our center, we'll find balance. So those are a few tips. Uh, definitely, if you haven't already, check out on my website. I've got a, a free book. It's called a No-Nonsense Grounding Guide. And it's for dealing with this type of phenomena where a lot of stuff is going on in the head that can be kind of troubling. I'm not sure if you're, I'm not saying you're troubled by it, but uh, if, you're, if you're curious about that kind of stuff, definitely check out that book, yeah. Yeah, I, sorry about that. I, uh, I get, uh, yeah, I get a lot of energy trapped in my head and and for a while there like i had to go on a walk um at night it was just the only thing that like brought the energy back down it was just like like it would almost be like you could i could tell there was energy up there and it was just like like it just it, it wasn't really it didn't bother me it was just like in order for me to go to sleep i needed to go on a walk and and that helped um the last thing say you said it was rare you mentioned kundalini awakening was rare um like like sometimes I ask like, why me, you know, and we kind of covered some of that, but like, it, I don't say that in a, in a way, like, why me, you know, but like, like, why me, you know, like, so it's like, like, why do some people have them? And for me, you know, I read people doing yoga for years and all this stuff, but it was like spontaneous for me, you know, like, like, like how rare is it? And like, why do some people have them and some people don't? Right. So I can't, I can't say statistically, I can't give you statistical sort of data, but it's rare in the sense that it hasn't yet hit the mainstream in a way where people acknowledge this happens to people. And it's pretty much limited to small circles where people are comparing notes and we're saying, well, did this happen to you? Did this happen to you? And that sort of thing. We can look at, to the traditions of, of the East. And even there, we see millions, billions of people practicing, you know, devotion to, to different gods. And, you know, they have some sort of religious practice, but very few are saying that they were actually transformed on a spiritual level very few, right? We've got the masses who sort of worship those who have been transformed, or they worship the symbols of transformation. But very few are saying, well, this actually happened to me, right? So why does it happen? I don't think that there is such thing as a spontaneous Kundalini awakening. I may speak about it you know, maybe you've seen some of my content about Kundalini. I may have mentioned that, it, that, you know, there are such things as spontaneous awakenings, but every time I've looked into the lives or talk, chatted with people who've had one, I've always found the clues were there. Like the practices that they were doing were there as kids, they would say, Oh, I would, I would close my eyes and, and, you know, I'd sort of go into this sort of spaciousness and I'm like, yeah, dude, that's meditation. You, you were doing that as a kid for like all these years. Yeah. You're meditating, right? Like that leads to these awakenings. So it's not really spontaneous. It also has to do with previous incarnations, whether you buy it or not. If, if you do a lot of intense spiritual work in one lifetime, that, that carries over into the next lifetime. And so we kind of can pick up where we left off of, often in different contexts. So if you had this type of awakening 
in like maybe a small village in India where there was a spiritual master and he would maybe look at you and say, you know, yeah, like, uh, this is Kundalini. And then you would, you know, sit with him and you'd understand everything, but here it's a different context. We have to go through like a different journey to discover this kind of stuff, but the work that you did in previous lifetimes still is with you, even though you're here in North America and, you know, you may be working a nine to five job and you have no interest in all this yoga stuff. The work that you did in your previous lifetime as a yogi is still carried with you. Um, Another reason is that there is a collective acceleration in our planetary sort of vibrational state. And we are awakening. Many, many people are coming to this awakening in different ways at their own pace, but it's happening with more and more frequency. In the past, like in say 1950, it would have taken you 50 years to sort of uh, integrate your awakening. Today, it can happen in five years two years, right? Um, there's many reasons for that. Uh, the internet is a great one. Uh, in the past, you know, to go to find a master, you may have had to like take a train, a boat, a plane, and all this kind of stuff. Here, you just Google it, right? And you got all these, you have instant access to all these teachings and you can implement them very quickly. Um, there's also, like I said, the, the idea of the collective awakening very rapidly. And you're one of those people. You're one of those people. You may say, oh, well, I wasn't a yogi. I wasn't a monk. I had no religious background. Well, that's good. We don't need, well, I shouldn't say that, but I was going to say, we don't need more yogis having Kundalini awakenings. We need more normal people having Kundalini awakenings so that we can see that this is a universal experience. And it's not something limited to like some weird guys in India that are doing yoga, right? It's like, it can happen to anybody because it's human. It's a human process. It's a universal process that we all have the potential of tapping into. And so maybe that's why it happened to you. So you can be an example of somebody here who says we have greater potential than just being these physical bodies and minds seeking, you know, money and fame and, and uh, seeking to satisfy our, our egos, right? There's something more to, to life than that. And when we hear it coming from a person like you, people will stop and they'll say, well, like, you know, let, let, me, let me hear more. Whereas if a religious fanatic type of person comes and starts saying that, they're like, oh, just another religious yeah. crazy nut, whatever, right? So maybe that's why. That's just an idea that I'm sharing with you because I can kind of tell you your, your intuitive understanding of the process is deep. You're very well-spoken. You're grounded. You're balanced. I feel that like you do have uh, some purpose here, which is to share your story, especially your story as well, dealing with the things that you've dealt with. There's many people out there, man, who would really relate with you and they would enjoy and benefit from the things that you'd have to share. And so I think that maybe that's why you were, you know, quote unquote chosen, or maybe that's why you've kind of came into this life to live out this sort of character that you're living out. Right. Um, there's no rush to get into expressing any of this. There's no rush. If, if you feel called at some point, you know, maybe you can start speaking to your friends or writing a blog or doing videos or podcasts, whatever it is, there's no rush. It's not necessary. But if you ask me, I think that you do have some, some, uh, some duty at some point in your life to share what you're experiencing. Cause man, there's a lot of people out there. These uh, they're tapping into things like Kundalini and you know, they're struggling, they're struggling, man. Yeah. So we need more and more people to just be sharing about this. Yeah. 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 Oh, good. Yeah. It was, uh, it was great to connect. You know, I mean, it's, it's very strange. It's just, you know, it's, it kind of gets lonely sometimes kind of like, but at the same time, I, I, it, I'm, it gets lonely in the sense where it's like, okay, all the people that used to be around me, it's like th there's not much resonance anymore but it's also like i rarely feel lonely you know i have this presence you know i feel you know so yeah it's it's great to connect with uh, other people you know in the process and it's great to know you know i i know now and i have for a while now but but yeah for a while there uh -huh. I, I was convinced i was losing my mind so it's it's, uh, it's refreshing to know that that's not the case for sure man yeah, i know in in my path I did, I did go into like deep states of solitude where I felt like my circle just became very small. And what I found as I continued was that 
the people that kind of drift away from me or I drifted away from them, we kind of reconnected. And whether there was a spiritual sort of theme in our, in our relationship or friendship or not, there was still a deeper connection than before. So I don't want you to feel as if spirituality and your awakening now makes you kind of loner forever and that's your destiny. No, no, no. Like I was saying, there's people that are going to need you and you can go and hide in a cave and they will still find you. They need you. They need to hear what you have to sh share and, and get your insight. And so people will come to you and they'll find you, whether they talk about spiritual things overtly or not, it's not important. It's the, the vibe you give out. It's the look in your eye. It's, it's the, the, the welcoming presence. It's the understanding that you offer. And I feel that that's, there's a lot of that coming off of you, man. It's, 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 uh, it's great to see. And it's uh, been a pleasure to meet with you. Yeah, you too, man. So I hope you got some insight and value out of this dialogue today with Nick. It's always a pleasure to chat and relate with fellow travelers on the path. It really is my greatest joy. You can check out my website, brentspirit.com, to find my free ebooks, audiobooks, blogs, videos, and more. My email inbox is always open, and I'm available to respond to your questions and feedback. If you'd like to meet with me one-on-one, -on -one, you can visit my website for more info, or you can drop me a line on Instagram, at brentspirit. Thanks for listening today. Until next time, much love.